Hey everyone, welcome to Recovering You. This is a podcast that will take you through a step-by-step guide of what you can expect when you enter into a world of recovery from addictive and compulsive behaviors. You are here to learn how to change, and we are here to give you the tools to get there. The fun has arrived! Yeah. <laughs> Woo. If, if this is your definition of fun, we need to get you out more. Uh, this is a good time. I look forward to these nights. Th- th- yeah, this is the most fun. And it's, it's funny. I totally just did a personality switch. I'm going to be honest with everyone right now. I, I'm sitting here <laughs> stressing out about what we're going to talk about and how we're going to help people and my own anxieties and stresses and everything. And then I hit record and I'm like, yeah, I'm all bubbly and excited. And I just realized that wasn't, that wasn't fair to my listeners. That was a lie. I'm. <laughs> oh, I think it's okay. It's like drinking an emotional Red Bull. You yeah, know, <laughs> there we go. I've got wings now. So it's, it's right. time, it's time to fly into the lesson today. Um, but, but I, I do, I, I do want to start off as always by introducing you, my good friend, good sir, Christopher Sexton, my co-host, my brother-in-law and just an all around amazing guy. And happy to be here. You are also my go-to resource for all things Western history. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I need someone who just has that, that air of, you know, he's really been there. <laughs> yeah, well, you can, go thank to you. The, you can thank the 100 Louis L'Amour books on the top of my shelf for that. Well, there you go. <laughs> all right. So today, today we, we, got, we got some exciting stuff to, uh, to talk about. Um, yeah, check-in questions. Yeah, th- this is for for a lot of people. This is a very heavy thing. And then, yeah, what, what's what's cool about it though is it goes from a very heavy thing to actually kind of a staple in a lot of relationships. It it builds amazing friendships. It builds amazing teams, and it starts to. I I believe this is one of those forks in the road that changes a person from an isolated secret keeping addict to an honest open vulnerable and well communicating individual yeah absolutely and i'm excited because we've over the course of the season and a half so far several times we've talked about do a personal inventory you know look at pay attention to how you're feeling and this tool is going to be really helpful with that so i'm excited that we're equipping people with with some knowledge here to be able to do those inventories and self-assessments 100 percent. and, and this, so before we get into the actual like questions and things that you can talk about and all of that i i'm going to ask you a trivia question here okay um, oh, i'm lousy at trivia okay i, I know away. but, but this, this one's <laughs> worth uh this one's worth two hugs next time i see you oh shucks <laughs> so you better get it right <laughs> Yeah, now now I've got some on the line. I'm, maybe I'm maybe there's a good game on the line for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, who do you believe the first person that most addicts go to to be their accountability partner? The person they've hurt the most. Yes. No. Why? <laughs> Why do we do this? Why do we say, hey, look, I know I've... I've done all these horrible things and you are traumatized and shattered and working through all of this stuff, but can I report all of my thoughts and feelings and progress and failings and struggles to you every single day? And 
because those amazing women in our lives love us so much and because many of them probably have not been educated on the fact that they need to say no to this they say yes they say well i still care i still care about this person's progress i want this person to succeed and yeah it would be great to see how far they've come sure i'll be your accountability partner and 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 those two reasons that you highlighted i think that drives the psychology behind why someone coming out of an addiction would ask their loved one that they've hurt to be their accountability partner they want one to be able to demonstrate how far they've come and show that they are winning battles and two that that person is invested in in their recovery and it's safe it keeps their circle small right they don't have to reach out and necessarily divulge or what they've done or trust somebody else to care for care for the truth about their addiction yeah so it's it's a very safe or it feels like it's a very yes it feels safe exactly (laughs) and it seems smart kind of like that that move where you oh i'm gonna just uh straighten up i'm gonna wash all these dishes and then show her how clean the kitchen is yeah you know it's, 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 a not, total, it's not it's not the move we want to do it, it yes it is 100 a look at me move yeah. um i i was actually at the park today with my kids they're, they're going to be getting into some sports and stuff i'm like okay well you're not going in unprepared let's go do some drills let's go let's go work on some basic Good. skills so that you don't show up on the first day of practice like wait what kind of ball is this again <laughs> yeah <laughs> soccer good. ball that's good job, right it's, it's good job, Dan. so but but this kid kept riding around the park and although he was being goofy every time he would come past me doing drills with my kids he would say look at me how am i doing and he was always kind of like purposefully wiggling the wiggling the the bike a little bit or taking his feet off the pedals or his hands off the handlebars and saying how am i doing and the first couple times you know just to I guess I was a little bit annoyed. So I was like, terrible. <laughs> and I, I didn't know this alone. dude at all. And then, you know, as he kept way to build around, him up. Yeah. I, <laughs> I got much nicer as he continued to come around. I was like seven out of 10, 10 out of 10. Good job. And he'd be like, yay. As he'd ride off. And this is probably like a 13, 12, 13 year old kid. There you go. Well, okay. I here, I thought you were hassling a four-year-old. No, so no, no, no. That's no, okay. No. That's no. okay. You've got to tear them down to build them up when they're yeah, teenagers. Yeah, one of those obnoxious teenagers. <laughs> but but I, I think of this, these check-in questions when we ask our spouses to do it, that we're really doing the same thing that every day when we make that lap, we go, look at me. How am I doing? Yeah. What do you rate me at? And just like I was really kind of annoyed and kind of perturbed by this teenage immature individual yeah it's going to have the same effect on that person that we are checking in with that we have traumatized they are not equipped they're not prepared they're not trained and they should not be that person that we go to for our daily check-ins you you nailed it yep and it's their own journey and we've talked about this they have to be free to pursue their own healing and to make their decisions about where they want the relationship to go un impeded by your expectations of the relationship as a recovering pornography or sex addict. And so by trying to influence them to be your accountability partner, you're putting your finger on the scale of their personal journey, and that's not your place to, to take that action. So given that, how do you choose a good accountability partner, Cameron? And, And maybe from your personal experience, you can say, you know, 
these are the five things I looked for. This is what helped me make my decision. Yeah. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was actually about to ask you the exact same thing. Like, <laughs> how do you choose and who would you go with? Uh, <laughs> so so we're, we're on the same page here. It's, it's very common. And, and this is across the board of addiction recovery. Um, AA has sponsors. You know, you have these people that you're supposed to check in with. Um, you know, convicts that just got out of prison have parole officers. I mean, th this is something that people who are trying to turn their lives around, it is a common across the board behavior. And yeah. so for us as recovering sex addicts and pornography addicts, who do we typically turn to? Well, one of the first things that I looked for in someone that I could report to was someone who I would feel safe with, safe sure. being brutally honest with, that I could say something as bad as, hey, um, not only did I relapse today, like, like I, I physically was unfaithful to my wife today. Now, once I got into recovery, that didn't happen again. So fortunately, I didn't have to report that kind of thing. But it's that kind of person that, you know, if you're going to tell them the worst of the worst, they're, they're going to still stand in the same pool of values that you have of recovery and say, so where do we go from here? How do we, how do we learn from this? And how do we not spiral out of control and abandon the program and every, all the progress that you've done? So first thing I would say is someone that you feel safe with. Yeah, and I think that's where the the power of group comes into. If you yep. get involved yep. with, obviously we're we're affiliated with Meta Moroni. I've gone through to be a coach and a mentor, and you have gone through for yourself, and now you lead a group. And to me, that's the power of of being part of a formal program of not trying to fight your this addiction on your own, not trying to slog through your recovery on your own. Is as you get in with a group, you are exposed and introduced to a lot of people who are fighting or have fought the same battle that you're fighting. Yep. And so you have a, this great uh, selection, you know, of candidates, people who you want to be on your board of supervisors, your mentors to say, who, who do I feel in this group really has it together? Who resonates with me? Yeah. And the fact that they've been through it, they know how painful and how sensitive some of this stuff can be. And so that can increase your confidence in, in having that be someone that you can trust. And it's someone who's completely removed from the emotional, familial, personal aspect of your addiction and your recovery. So if you're not involved with a, with a group, we encourage you to check out Sons of Helaman, and Men of Moroni. They've got great groups that you yeah. can participate in and, and start to find that accountability partner. Absolutely. So if you are taking notes on this and writing things down because you're like, oh, I, I should probably get someone that I can have these check-ins with. There, there's two things we've gone over just in the last couple minutes. And that is uh, someone you feel safe with and someone who gets it. And that's what, that's what Chris was just talking about. They get it. They've been there. They're, they're going to understand what you're going through. And, yeah, and I, and I want to highlight really quick. Yeah. I, I want to highlight really quick something that you said that is so powerful and so crucial to a good accountability partner. You said someone who will stand in the same constant pool of values yeah. that you're that you're striving for. You don't want accountability. You don't want an accountability partner who's going to say something like, "Oh man, well that's okay. It was only this one time. <laughs> I appreciate you telling me that's okay." What you're, toxic you're still, words? You're still you're still a good person. 
it, it needs to be someone who understands what, what your core values are, what's important to you and, and how to help you re-anchor yourself in those values. So I, I love, I love how you highlighted that. It's so crucial to find someone who isn't going to be swayed by, by your story or who isn't going to enable that bad behavior. Someone who's going to help you stay anchored to the right values. So I'm so glad you brought that up. That's super important. Thanks. So number three, I would say you need to pick someone who's got their crap under control. (laughs) Yes. So, and, and I say this because there might be two guys that, that come into a program within a few weeks of each other and they really hit it off. These two should probably not be accountability partners. And it's not that they're not good for each other. It's not that they couldn't be on the same team. But when, that, when one of them comes to the other with a crisis, the, the person who's supposed to be in control isn't in control of their own story. They, they, they don't know how to respond to that if they were to be in that situation. So how would you expect them to give you the right advice when they don't have the training under their belt? So you need to have someone who essentially is a black belt in recovery and who has been through those phases and can have the logical response, like you were just saying a minute ago, that you know that they're they're going to have the information behind their response, not just say, you know what, we're we're in this together. You're still a good person. It's okay. Yeah, that's super important, and it brings to my mind that this year, for the first time, I've helped coach two of my kids' sports teams, and I just I <laughs> I laugh because there are times when that happens. You know, if we're helping one group, or there's a a particularly confident child thinks they can tell the team what to do. And these are all young kids and it's just, they don't have, they all want to win. They all have good intentions, but they don't understand what it takes to win. They don't, they're not at that point in their journey where they can effectively coach their fellow teammates. And so super important to find somebody. Your your nine-year-old can't, your nine-year-old can't turn around (laughs) and coach the team. Yeah, no, she's <laughs> that has been attempted. Uh, <laughs> plays at any base, okay. <laughs> uh, but it, it's good. I've loved it as a father, but it highlights to me the importance of having having a good coach, having someone yep. who knows the strategy, who knows where you, where the team is weak, who knows where the opposing team is going to try and attack, or what their move is going to be. So look for someone who is a little battle hardened, battle tested. Yep and knows knows how to win knows I, how to fight and win i love that you said the coach needs to know how the uh, how the opposing team how the enemy is going to be um responding as well because that is that is crucial that they not only know what what best steps you should take as a recovering addict but they know exactly how your addiction and satan is going to come at you to try and get you to continue to spiral downward so another huge crucial point Oh, yes. There was one other, there was one other thing I was going to say as far as um, picking a good accountability partner. It doesn't have to be just one and it doesn't have to last forever. So being an accountability partner on the receiving end of it, it can be exhausting. And, and if you are constantly being an accountability partner for others, you can actually lose track of yourself. So you as a person who is being accountable to someone else, there's going to be times that they say, Hey, look, right now I cannot actually show up for you. I'm, I'm struggling with my own demons and 
I'm in my own fight right now. Do you have anyone else you can reach out to? And that is a, another thing. It, it is really a Swiss army knife of recovery. Who else do you have on in the dugout? Who else can you bring out onto the, onto the team to help you with the fight that you're going through? Because if you put all your marbles or all your bets on one person and that person can't show up, even if it's something as simple as they're on vacation and they're not answering their phone right now, are you going to fall apart? So as you said earlier, that's why it's so important to be a part of a group, a recovery group, or have that team installed. So you can say, all right, so-and-so didn't answer. I know who my B person is. I know who my C person is. I know all the way down to my Z person that yeah. I can reach out to someone. Absolutely. And if you're new to uh, our podcast, I'd encourage you to go back to season one. We have a great episode about how you build your team and what a good team looks like. So great information there. But the bottom line is just what Cameron said. It's just like a sports team. You don't go into the high stakes game with just one quarterback, with just one kicker, with just one you know, tight end. You have two, three, four deep sometimes because yeah. you never know when one's going to get injured or be sick or whatever. So important to have that depth uh, in your team roster. And once you... Once you've got that, it's great to have your plan in place, but also remember, and, and this is where these check-in questions start to come in, these, these self-assessments, these personal inventories, you're your first line of defense. It's important to have these people, but you can't let these people become crutches. And so these questions that we're going to go through are going to help you maintain a healthy relationship with your, with your sponsor, with your accountability partner. And also start to help wire your brain to think, okay, why is this happening? When was the last time I checked in with myself? Am I still focused on the right thing? Am I still anchored on my values? 100%. I, I love that you pointed that out. Thank you. So we, we have a list of questions here. I'm going to start with my own question. I, I've been an accountability partner for quite a few people uh, throughout the past few years. And the first thing, when, whenever... Yeah, I think it's one of your superpowers. I've lost track. It's like every <laughs> every time we get together, you're like, oh, so I'm mentoring these five new guys. <laughs> Great. Well, and, I'm and, glad, and glad I, you don't need to sleep. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. I, I really do love it. And, and what I love even more... Um, there's actually one of, the, one of the guys that I've been an accountability partner for. We were in group this last week. And one of the other guys in group said, yeah, I've actually been reaching out to this other guy who's become my accountability partner. And he was the guy I was an accountability partner before. And it was this really kind of proud papa moment that I was like, oh, man, cool. th th this really guy neat. that has come so far in the program and, and really like he'll send me texts of how he's doing. And he has such a firm understanding of the, of the process and the program to have someone else feel that confidence in him it's newer in the program. I'm just like, man, I feel like a, like a grandpa, like, yeah, like, it's like, you're a grandpa, Yeah. <laughs> but, but there's All the emotional so much high and none of the responsibility. It's yep. fantastic. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not changing any of the diapers either. So <laughs> there you go. So that's what we stick around for. But what I, what I always ask when people call me and they say something along the lines of, Hey, I messed up my wife is ticked off. I I'm, I'm worried, you know, like I, 
I actually relapsed multiple times and I'm just now getting my feet back under me and having enough control Ooh, to reach so out, hard. but I still yeah. have the desire to relapse. The first question I almost always ask is, okay, so are you done? Are, are, are you throwing in the towel? Do you quit? Are you staying down? It's that, that ultimate question that I believe needs to be realized from the get-go. And I, I have yet to talk to a person that has said in that moment, yeah, yeah, I think I'm done. I think I'm, I'm just going to, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to succumb to my addiction and just live the rest of my life in this. Because that, that question inspires a response that they, they recognize it's so black and white that they're going to say, of course, I'm not done. I, I, of course, I want to keep fighting. And that is a great fertile soil to begin the growth of what needs to happen next off of. Yeah, I love that. And it's so important to highlight that distinction too, because when you're actively engaged in your addiction, it's very easy to confuse desire with impulse and urge. Yeah. To say, oh, I, I guess I just want to go do this. I guess it's something that I want to do versus it's something that I just feel impelled to do because I've done it so many times that it's my brain's default. So that's a critical question. Do you give up? And two, do you still desire sobriety and freedom from the lies and manipulation of Satan? And that is, again, this should go without saying, but you have to be 100% honest. You're not going to yep. benefit from, from saying the quote unquote right answer to these. Yeah. But if you give yourself space to stop and think, almost without fail, you're not going to ever say, no, I don't want sobriety and I want to be captive to the lies of the devil and I want him to be able to ma manipulate me, right? Just just call it out, drag drag your addiction out into the light, Yep. flip it over, turn it around, look at it and say, do I or do I not desire sobriety from this? And Absolutely. Almost without fail, the question should be, of course I do. So after that question too, so given if that's a yes, are you willing to do whatever's necessary to protect your sobriety for the next 24 hours? So set a time limit on yourself. Yep. This is not the next year for, for the rest of your life. Give yourself 24 hours. If 24 hours is too long, give yourself 12 hours. But are you willing to do whatever's necessary to protect your sobriety for the next 24 hours, including rigorous honesty, praying to God, calling on others, forgiving all resentments, refusing all hits as toxic, reading literature, setting boundaries, surrendering your fears and anxieties, and maintaining an attitude of gratitude and love for those around you. Because addiction, that's one of the first things it'll steal from you is your sense of gratitude and love for other people. And, so, and I, I love this. I love the, the foundation of this question is, what are you willing to do? And a lot of people, the initial answer is, you know, whatever it takes. Okay. So are you willing to go to extra meetings this week? Are you willing to not sleep at your house tonight? Are you willing to go to someone else's house? I mean, and, and given, given each situation, there's going to be different circumstances that you can kind of go to an extreme on the side of protecting yourself and your sobriety in order to make sure you accomplish that goal. Like it said there for, for the next 24 hours, giving yourself that time limit in order to let your brain reset and it's like the advice that when big financial decisions are made, okay, sleep on it. 
you know, take, take one night to sleep on it and see how you feel in the morning. And that has been something that I, cause I'm a very impulsive and kind of just like, you know what, let, let's wing it. Let's throw the dice. Let's, let's see what happens. And my wife is very much a planner. And so that compromise is kind of, okay, we're going to give this one day. We're going to sleep on this. We're not going to make the decision right now. And if we still feel good about it tomorrow, then we can move forward. And I think that's really important to, to do here. Like, what are you willing to do? And, yeah. um, and, and acting on that, you know, don't, don't just, don't just use words. It can't just be fluff. If you say you're, you're willing to leave the house and go spend the money to, to drive somewhere or to just not be in that scenario anymore, whatever it takes, then, then you do that. Yeah. And, and depending on your situation, if, if you're by yourself, if you live alone and it's so easy to fall into that addiction, a lot of it is going with hat in hand to an accountability partner or to a parent or to somebody and saying, I don't trust myself to be alone tonight. Can I give you my phone and stay here? Yeah. Really, whatever it takes. And the way that I would frame it is because people say, I'll do whatever it takes, right? That's what you said. I would frame that as that response can come from one of two centers. It can come from a, a center of desperation, whatever, whatever it takes. Okay, well, what does that mean? I don't know. It means I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tell me what to do. No, no, that's not how this works. Exactly. Versus, versus coming from a center of intention or deliberate action to say, okay, I will do whatever it takes. And I've thought about this for half an hour, and this is my plan. For me, whatever it takes is X, Y, Z. You know, and, and it's funny that we're, we're getting into this a little bit. When I first told my story on the Eternal Warrior podcast, my, my oldest brother actually called me up and said, you know, I, I, I love the episode. And I, I love that you, when they asked, what did you have to do to be able to turn things around? And my answer on the episode was three words whatever it takes. And he was like, I wish you would have gone into that more. What is it that is whatever it takes? Specifically, what did you have to do to make that happen? And, you know, for me, it was, I'm willing to obey my wife's boundaries, no matter what. I'm willing to stay away from my family and respect that space, no matter what. I'm willing to be honest, even if it's going to break my wife's heart again, no matter what. There, there were all these things that I had to be willing to do that were uncomfortable, but that was the whatever it takes. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll throw out some ideas as well that might help shake people out of their default way of thinking about solving problems. Because we get stuck in these loops of this is what I always do, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So maybe consider shutting down all your social media for a week. Oh, yeah. Maybe consider giving your wife your phone and letting her change your password. Maybe consider locking your cell phone in, in the safe. <laughs> you know, unless you need it for work, figure out another way to communicate with people. Maybe it means giving up Netflix for a week because you watch shows that aren't necessarily pornographic, but they're seductive or suggestive and it leads you down that path to where you're engaging in your addiction again 
or they even Maybe. just numb you out. Yeah. Binging, Maybe it, yeah, binging social media of any kind numbs you out and, and makes you vulnerable to uh, temptation. Yeah. Maybe it means calling in and taking a day off of work and spending that day doing service at a men's shelter or a food bank or do something to radically change your routine so that it gives you a chance to really reset and, and really think about what healthy behaviors you want to be doing in your day-to-day -day life. So some, some thoughts, but, but the core of whatever you do should be, how do I, how do I shake this up so that I can, I can start again and, and look at this a better way, yeah. whatever it takes. So another question it has here is, are you willing to keep all these commitments today as they relate to your sobriety and the Menomoroni program? Now, since this is a Menomoroni podcast, let me, let me rephrase a little bit. Are you willing to keep all the commitments today that you've made to your accountability partner, no matter what? And, you know, again, this is one of those questions. It's like, well, well duh, I'm going to answer yes. But in all of these things, when, when your accountability partner asks you questions like these, th this is another thing that I look for when I talk to people is, do they hesitate to answer? Do they take a second to really think about their answer? Because if they immediately come in with, yes, absolutely, I will. That actually, to me, shows a lot less sincerity. That means that they're saying the right answer. They're not necessarily giving me the true answer. I would yeah, or, much they, rather, or they don't understand what they're saying yes to. Yeah. I would much rather have a person say, honestly, I don't think I can keep those commitments today. And then you move forward from there. Okay. What do we need to do to make that happen? And, and you can plan from there. It's not, I'm going to lecture you for giving me an honest answer or for saying that you feel incapable. That's not the problem. We can work with that. The problem is the lie. The problem is the immediate yep. answer that, that, that shades the truth of what is really going on in your head. Because that's what, that's what these questions are all about is like Chris was saying, bring to light the addiction, bring to light the problem and the situation that you're in and examine it in order to have the best possible result come out of them. Absolutely. And the power in saying and being honest about saying, I don't think I can, is that it unlocks a new way of looking at the world for you because almost 100% of the time when you say, I don't think I can, what's really, what that really is in your brain is, I don't know how. Yeah. I don't know what this takes. It doesn't mean I don't want to. It doesn't mean I'd rather not. When I, when I hear people say, I don't think I can, what they're really saying is, I don't know how. Help me. And then you can start, okay, well, we can work with I don't know how. I remember being told many times before I got into recovery that, and, and we talked about this in previous episodes, the, the two words of just stop. And my answer would always be like, okay, <laughs> I, I, I will, I promise. When really in my mind, I was sitting there thinking to myself exactly what you were just saying. I don't know how I, I want to, I just don't feel capable of doing it because there's so much going on. There's so much temptation and it's nonstop. So I just don't know where to go from here. And I would say to that, if, if you have someone in your life that you know cares about you and that you care about and is telling you to just stop, instead of defaulting to, okay, yeah, I know, I'll try, 
try try what Cameron just said. Try saying, I want to, I don't know how, can you help me? Can you tell me how to just stop? Because one of two things will happen by and large. They'll either say, yes, I can help you. And this, let's talk about this. This is some things that can help you to stop. Or it will set up an alarm for them or hopefully a little light bulb that says, oh, maybe I don't understand what this person is going through. Hmm. If I haven't dealt with this, I don't know how to help them just stop. And hopefully that opens up new lines of communication where it takes frustration out of the equation. It resolves that tension and it puts you both on the same side to say, let's go find answers on how we can start to stop. Uh, I wish I could. Uh, I want a golf clap. <laughs> yes, 100%. And I love the way you phrased it because you could easily turn that around to, I don't know how. You tell me what to do. And that can, that can come across as very aggressive. Like, it's not like you know any better, but the way you phrased it is so good. I, I don't know how. I want to. I don't know how. Can you help me? And yeah, just everything about that. That was, that was fantastic. Um, okay. And there are, there are a lot more questions. I don't know if you've got a favorite. I think the, the one that I want to hit, and then maybe you can bring us home, is name at least one thing you are grateful for. I alluded to this earlier. I flat out said it actually that addiction steals our sense of gratitude, our sense of appreciation. It closes our eyes and our minds to the beauty and the blessings of God that he's pouring out on us, that he's trying to pour out on us. And so to take five minutes and to just give, your space, give yourself space to try and think of something to be grateful for is so powerful. And it most likely won't stop at one thing. And even if it is, it's okay. Be sincerely grateful for that one thing. There's something powerful about expressing gratitude, about being honest with the fact that your world has not completely caved in on you. If it's something as simple as, I felt a cool breeze today. I'm grateful for that. I saw a nice sunset. I'm thankful for that. It doesn't have to be this profound thing of, Oh, I'm so grateful to know the cosmic design of the universe. <laughs> Start simple and sincere and, and build out from there. I would then just tack on to the very end is asking someone, and it, this is actually really hard when you are in a dark place, asking someone to tell you why they're awesome and then why they're fighting. When you ask someone to tell you why they're awesome, it forces them to look at their own lives through God's eyes, through the people that love them through their eyes, you know, and, and again, it doesn't have to be this big, profound thing. It can be, I'm awesome because I make people laugh. And, and that, that is something that will immediately start to change your brain chemistry and start to start to make you look at yourself as, you know what, it's true. The desires of my heart and who I want to be are still a good person. I just made a mistake. My mistake does not define me. And then to have them, the next part, tell you why they're still fighting. Are they still in this fight? And if so, what is that specific reason? It's not, I'm just fighting to beat the addiction. No, no, let's get more specific than that. Why are you really fighting? I'm fighting because I have a new son or a new daughter, and I don't want them to grow up with a household that doesn't have their dad around. I want them to have the priesthood in the home. I want them to feel safe and protected. 
you know, I, I want my, my wife to feel safe being wrapped up in my arms, get specific with why you are fighting. And we'll, we'll get more detailed in the whole why you're fighting conversation in, in future episodes. I'm sure of it. Um, especially when we talk about warrior chemistry, but being able to specifically identify why you're fighting and being able to look at yourself and say why you're still awesome. You, you have to take the mistakes that you made, identify what you're willing to do to turn that around, be completely honest and vulnerable, talk to that accountability partner about it, talk to God about it, make sure that you've completed your goals for the day. And then finally take a deep breath and acknowledge all the good that you are and all the good that you do and why you are still in this fight. This is like the moment in the, in the Rocky movies or whatever, when the music starts to crescendo and he gets up off the mat and you, you get all jazzed and the hair stand up on your body and you're like, he is still in this fight and he's coming back and he's going to win. You know, it's <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So. And, and we've gone over a lot uh, in this episode. So if you've been listening to this on a run or driving, we'll, we'll drop a link to these questions in the description we'll throw them up on our facebook page if you've been furiously sitting there trying to take notes and you feel like you missed something but you don't have time to go sit yeah, through and listen 100%. to this again yep. uh just know that we'll we'll put this resource out there a couple of different ways so that you can have it to come back to again and again because it's super powerful and it's something that you should do on a regular basis great idea great great plan yes 100 percent. love it okay well, everyone, um, that's a wrap, I guess. Yeah. Th thank you guys so much for, uh, for joining us. Thank you for supporting us and listening. Um, as always, if someone's name popped into your mind while you were listening to this and you think it could benefit them, um, be brave, be vulnerable, share it. And if someone comes to you with a problem that they are looking for help, don't be the person that tells them how to fix the problem. Be the person that can be part of their solution. Be the person that loves them regardless of what they're going through, that they know they can be safe with and be vulnerable with. And with that, I send you on your way. <laughs> we'll see you next week, all.